0: this is it what satoshi's pouring from the sky stack some chips up Welcome to 21ism.com, the sound culture renaissance. We curate, craft, and amplify Bitcoin-inspired creativity. And we do this through art, design, word, code, music, video, and memes. Featuring in the art category this month is Jonat Vax. A brilliant artist and fantastic storyteller, Jonat loves mythology, and loves conve- conveying ancient wisdom through her art. Mining this block for us is max bit by bit. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy this rip as much as I did. Welcome to the show, Yonat Vax. As I've said to you before, I absolutely love your work. 21ism is very proud to be showing your work off and to have you in block six as our featured artist really, really looking forward to learning a little bit more about you and your work. But for anyone who doesn't already know you, can you do a little bit of an introduction, please?
1: Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me. I love what you guys are doing. I think 21ism is really important. I mean, um, you know, to talk about Bitcoin culture and art, I think it's a fundamental part of this movement. And you guys are doing really quality work. And I'm honored that you asked me to come on. So thank you. Thank
0: you. That means a lot. Um,
1: so I've been doing, well, I think my journey towards art was a long one. It's always been a part of my life. I think I've always loved art. I've always loved making things ever since I was, uh, ever since I was little, but, um, I think it, it was a long journey until I really got to, to doing this as a, um, you know, as a, as a professional career, I went through a lot of different, different rabbit holes before I got into this one. But I think I got into a point in my life where it was like, you know what, my real dream was always to be an artist. I think it was always kind of like, you know, it's not practical or whatever. And I, I went to study different things, but I got to a point where it's like, you know, fuck it, this is what I want to do. And I, I went to start, you know, I kind of, I moved to a different country and I went to do like a little art course to to get me started. And and I just dove right into that. And to Bitcoin, I got, you know, to like Bitcoin art or to Bitcoin, I got in, um, I found out about Bitcoin in 2017. So just before the bull run, Mm -hmm. Uh, if you remember, there was that hack, uh, WannaCry, do you remember that? It was vaguely
0: in, uh, I, I i didn't enter until right at the end of 2017 okay. if you can pick the absolute top yeah <laughs> that was my entry so it may have been before, yeah. but it does ring a Perfect
1: bell timing um, <laughs> yeah so want cry was in i think it was in it was just before it was like in may of 2017 it was this uh hack it was big in Spain and England, actually, it was, they had uh, like the biggest telephone company in Spain and gas company. And in England, it was the health services and they were ask, asking for Bitcoin. And, and when I read about it uh, on the news, it was like, oh, what's this Bitcoin thing? And, um, you know, why why is someone going through all this trouble for it? Um, and that's when I got down um, that. Yeah, that's the first time I heard about Bitcoin. And um, yeah, that's when the whole journey kind of began
0: interesting it's like you thought to yourself right someone's gone to a lot of trouble to do this hack and yeah. they're asking for this bitcoin thing it must be valuable exactly. is that kind of okay yeah
1: <laughs> 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 like well, you know i was like whatever hack but this bitcoin thing sounds interesting so <laughs> I'm gonna look this up
0: yeah it's interesting how we get pulled into it both the art and bitcoin and you know it was interesting when you said basically, you hit fuck it, you were like, I just want to do what I love. And everyone pushes against it and says, you know, don't be an artist. And then certainly don't be involved in this Bitcoin thing. And definitely don't do both. Yeah. But you, <laughs> you, you've got to that point, it sounds where you're following your dreams, and you're doing what you're passionate about. And that's a really amazing place to be in life that's a place where you can build a real life from it because i think so many people are stuck in that rat race and and they're too scared to to chase their dreams and it causes a lot of resentment it causes a lot of problems within yourself that then you push onto other people or certainly i did before being involved in art and bitcoin it's such a refreshing way to live and it's real and it's honest and i think that's why we're seeing Such great work in this space in particular. And, you know, I said to you before we started, the thing that I'm seeing with your work is it's so varied and it's amazing to see proper oil on canvas, like to see real beautiful work you know, we'll get onto NFTs and we'll get onto the digital artwork and stuff at some point during the conversation. And I find a lot of that stuff great. And I know you do it as well, but I've really been drawn to these oil on canvas you've done and also to the whale harpoon to have something uh, physical. And it's just like, I watched the video you did on the Twitter thread and the work that has gone into this, we talk about low time preference in this space a lot. This is proper low time preference art. It's incredible. So how did that come about? Where did you say, right, I'm going to become an artist. You find Bitcoin because of this hack. Where did these two merge and uh, and you start creating Bitcoin artwork?
1: The thing is that before I discovered Bitcoin or before I decided to dedicate myself to art, I really wanted to go into research. So i I had this, you know, fork in my life where it was either going to study art or going and then someone told me about this college where I was close to where I was working that was for alternative therapy and and I you know I I obviously knew about it but it was never something I thought about and I always like to to learn about new things or just kind of discover things I don't know about and I went to study that and I went down this huge you know, another rabbit hole of, you know, the human psych and, you know, alternate states of consciousness and kind of like why we do the things we do, why we think the way we think. And after learning that, I really wanted to go to research about, about you know, mind, body or or different states of consciousness. And I went to university to to kind of follow that path of research. And I was... You know, it was a really, really big disappointment because I started learning, you know, psychology and I was sitting in classes with notes from people that were in the same professor's class from ten years before and he was practically no all of them were practically saying the same things and and when I when I told them that I was interested in like mind, body, um work you know, to study that or study different states of consciousness, they all looked at me like I was crazy and it was it was a real this you know this this academia that was supposed to be you know the the place of knowledge and experimentation turned out to be a complete fraud and then that's when that's when I you know it was that pivotal moment of like you know what I can go do art and do my own research and make art about it and that's kind of like how all of my art is done it's it's like I get to read about things that interest me and make art about them. And, and that's where the low time preference comes from. It's like, um, it's like every artwork I do is like this journey into like, I read loads of books and essays and everything about it. And it's like, it's like a way to do, you know, research about something and and create something out of that. Um, And I just love the process, you know, it's, it's not even the, the, the final product it's the whole learning about it so yeah that harpoon took me almost a year to to make
0: really i mean i I say really but that doesn't shock me at all i can see the level of work that has gone into it it's really really incredible it sounds like you basically you're you're enjoying your study and then you're documenting what you're learning from your study and you're doing that through your art, rather than through a journal or a, or a written paper, or maybe you do both. That's an interesting way of doing things, and it's nice to break away from these institutions, which you, you know, you rightly say are, they're basically a scam at this point. It's like. You know that you, you have to go with the status quo don't think just remember yeah,
1: totally. just
0: remember what we tell you and then sit an exam and then copy what we've told you and if you copy it well enough and don't think for yourself it will give you a good grade exactly. and that's a shame and you know if you look through history All these studies and everything that people think they know are proven wrong. At some point, every diet, everything we think is healthy, you know, all these different things are always proven wrong. And it's weird that a lot of it is still called science.
1: Yeah, (laughs) no, totally. It's like... It's the opposite. Yeah, I remember actually being in a class that it was about scientific research that says that science isn't about the truth it's, it's about you know discovering something until someone proves it wrong right mm. like that's the, mm-hmm. the the basis of scientific theory and and it was like well i want to study what you're doing that i think is wrong <laughs>
0: and you're just
1: completely <laughs> closed-minded to it you know the same professor that was teaching this was completely you know it was like is ridiculous and yeah mm
0: and was that so it was psychology you were studying was it
1: yeah it was i started with psychology and philosophy and then biology to kind of study yeah mind body work but again it was Mm -hmm. just uh, yeah it was just boring honestly like when i when i was studying alternative therapy it was more you know through experience and through what we were you know we were practicing all kinds of things and I learned so much more out of that out of my you know personal experiences than just sitting in a class and and you know professor reciting things he's been saying for for 10 years now.
0: What alternative therapies were particularly interesting you that were sort of shunned by the professors? Was there anything or or a couple that you were looking into and thinking, wow, you know, I really think this is is something important and and could make a change. And then they just sort of treated it like it was stupid or, or not of interest to them. Was there something in particular that you found through your experiences that you really thought was important?
1: Well, I think the moment you say alternative therapy to them, they just look at you like you're crazy. It doesn't really matter which one it is. But um, I think the one that was most interesting to me was it's a kind of uh, breath therapy. So you breathe in a certain way. You kind of hyperventilate. And Mm -hmm. don't ask me how, but it kind of alters your state of consciousness. So you... Sometimes you get, you know, memories of things that happen to you or just physical, um, you know, you can you can all of a sudden feel numb or feel your body is all tense or you start crying or it kind of, you know, in, in the same way that I think drugs kind of alter your state of consciousness in, a, you know, in a mm-hmm. more um, synthetic way, maybe then breath, you know, if you breathe in a certain way, if you get a lot more oxygen than you're used to, then your mind does that in a natural way. And Mm -hmm. um, so one of the one of the big, you know, someone that that's that participated in this or that invented like a certain form of breath therapy. He was actually in this. he was a psychiatrist that in the seventies was doing experiments with LSD because LSD used to be a psych, uh, like a therapeutic drug for, for psychiatric Mm -hmm. patients until it became illegal. And he said that breath therapy was kind of does the same things as, as LSD, but brings up like memories or experiences that you're able to process So what Mm -hmm. LSD does is it brings up things that you're still that, you know, that maybe you're not ready to face, you know, demons from the past or whatever that you're not ready to face. And that's why, you know, people can go through really bad experiences with that. But with breath therapy, it kind of brings up things that you're ready to face. And I thought, you know, I learned so much about the way, you know, how in the first years of our lives we learn about, you know, we kind of create the beliefs we have about ourselves, about the world, you know, through just experiences that we have, it doesn't even have to be like these big traumas, just everything that happens in our lives, you know, affects the way we look at the world, we look at ourselves. And, and it's, um, it's really, really interesting. And, and I think, you know, I brought a lot of that into the art that I do today, because I think a lot of the way we look at the world is part of you know, the, it's all stories in the end that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. as, as individuals or as a society. And just, I find it fascinating.
0: Oh, I completely agree. You know, what you're saying about you have these experiences and you, you hold these experiences with you and it, it forms your character and it forms our fears. And sometimes we don't even know what that experience was or why we behave a certain way. And it can be really detrimental at times. And I've heard so many people who have had great therapy with either ayahuasca or psilocybin mushrooms and all these different things that can sort of they come out quite often saying, you know, I was just literally I was looking at the world completely wrong. I was behaving wrong. You know, I was selfish or I was this or I was that and, and they, they feel cleansed and sort of more open afterwards. It's something I've been too scared of personally because yeah. I just know I would have a bad <laughs> I would have a bad trip. Um what you're talking about with these breathing techniques, I think that's great because, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of these drugs are just unlocking other drugs that are released within your brain yeah. anyway. And so I, I can't see why this can't be controlled through meditation or breathing and these kind of things. And, um, that's fascinating. And, and um, how does this impact your work? You're saying this kind of, you're you're telling this story through your work. Do you still study those kind of things as well, or have you now sort of moved on from that and and painting and, and working is your main focus? Well,
1: I think you know these are still things that interest me. So I still um, read about them. I still try to do, I haven't done the breathing exercises in a while, but I really want to go back to that. But I think it influences my work in a way that, you know, it kind of showed me how we, again, how, you know, how we construct our reality in the end, you know, that I think there is no one truth. It's just how we know the things that happen to us in our life or you know affect the way we look at the world and I think that's correct for in for ourselves as individuals and for ourselves as society you know the things that we see in the world are kind of like stories we tell ourselves about the world or what you know makes it easier for us to live in it or you know what defines the way we do the things we do and that's why you know like the work the work I've been doing about about Bitcoin is always, you know, I take a certain subject that's connected to it and try to relate it to some other thing in history or in, in culture to, to kind of say, um, you know, Bitcoin is a new thing, but there's, you know, but don't forget, there's all kinds of things in humanity that are happening today and that, are, that have happened in the past. Mm. You know, kind of like connecting things between centuries or between stories
0: yeah so let's let 's take that back to this um, harpoon the crypto whaler bass harpoon because that one just blows me away mm-hmm. so uh, i 'd like to take it back to that one. you said in one of the threads about crossing the Atlantic to the coast of Newfoundland, hunting whales and selling the oil for fortunes. And uh, I take it you're sort of relating that back to the hunt that is on now and the dangers around it and, you know, within Bitcoin and the people going out and risking something. Am I right in saying that or am I completely off base there?
1: No, completely. I think so when I started this this series, I think when you look at the things I've done through this series, it's kind of my, you know, my journey down the rabbit hole. And mm-hmm. I did a few paintings about different things. And then I got to this and, you know, one of the biggest things that are talked about are, are like, I think the whole theme of, of the sea, the ocean, voyages, new frontiers is you know, it's part of the vocabulary that talks about this whole thing, you know, more more maybe in trading, but, but in general, you know, there's whales, there's liquidity, there's getting wrecked, there's, you know, going after new frontiers, new voyages. And the whole thing was like, okay, I want to do something about this. Um, And I've been doing a series and I I was doing a series of oil paintings, but I felt like I want to do something else, like not just a painting, maybe more like, an artifact or something that's a bit different, and I was looking into this thing about just the whole thing about I was looking you know I was reading about just whales or 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 voyages to sea and you know I, I've been living in spain and and then I read about the Basque whalers and I thought wow this is this is perfect because you know it's these people that in the sixteenth century d- you know, were looking for something new and started this. It was like the first real enterprise of of whale hunting ever. And they took, you know, these were people that took a big risk, you know, to cross the Atlantic Ocean then was a big risk. And, you know, when I was looking at videos of how whales are hunted and it's crazy, (laughs) like it's also a really Mm -hmm. big risk. And, you know, they were doing something... I don't know. Just the whole story had had was you know had similar things to everything that's happening with with Bitcoin, the whole space in general. And I thought, okay, what can I do that's not just a painting? And at first, it was I thought to actually you to d- do like a like a ship, like um like a, a a wheel of a ship. What do you call it? Like um I don't know, like the steering wheel.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh yeah i'm not particularly yeah. <laughs> boaty i've had a few boating accidents but, yeah, uh, we no. <laughs> all, we, we've
1: all had them yeah
0: um uh, a wheel i guess
1: yeah a I, anyway and then it was like okay a harpoon could be really cool and then i was still mm. learning about the basque culture because i wanted to have because you know i was like if i'm refer- referencing these people i want to talk about something about their culture and i found out about um, the, the maquila, which is what the harpoon is made of, which is like a traditional Basque walking stick. And the story of it is really interesting, like the way this is made. So I found an artisan in the Basque country that he's the only one that still makes it in a traditional way. And what he does is he goes out to the forest. These are made from meddler wood. So he goes out to the forest where there's like meddler trees. And the thing about this tree is that when you when you do like insert insertions in the wood, like usually when mm-hmm. you you know, when you carve out something in a tree, it stays like carved inside it, right? But this tree makes mm-hmm. like these scars on top. So you can oh, okay. you can make like scars in the tree and then it, it makes these um these little bumps that are the same. Um, so if you make, if, so if you make a circle, it'll make like a little circle on its branch that, that comes out, right? Yeah. So that's, so, so they use, so they found out about this and they use it. And what he does is he goes to the forest, he makes these like insertions in the wood to, to create these like beautiful patterns. And then six months later, after the tree has made its scars, he comes and he chops off just that one branch, you know, not the whole tree. Mm -hmm. And then it's dried for for about 10 years almost. And then he makes, you know, he hand makes these um, walking sticks that have, their, they have like silver engravings of certain symbols of the Basque culture. So the, the upper part of it opens up, you can unscrew it, and there's like a sword inside. So these were used mm-hmm. also to... You know, like go for walks in the mountains or go with your, you know, with your sheep on the mountains. And then if you find, if there's some kind of danger, you have like a secret sword inside. And, And they're also like a symbol of respect and honor. Um, you know, sticks in general, if you look back in history, are like, you know, there's like Moses and his stick, and, you know, sticks are like a symbol of, of respect. And I don't know, I just the whole story I found fascinating. And at one point, I just went there. You know, I, I did like a trip to the Basque country and I met him. Um, and I was also in touch with, with the museum, and there's a museum in Canada, in Newfoundland, of the Basque whalers. So they gave me the exact measurements of the harpoons because I wanted to make, like, an exact replica. And I also mm-hmm. found a, um, a um, what do you call it, someone that makes forges in iron?
0: For the, for the harpoon set. head,
1: right. And I didn't mm-hmm. know this, but when I went to meet him, he said, oh, yeah, I made the replicas for the museums about the Basque whalers. And I was like, oh, my God, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice> <laughs> like, it was a complete coincidence that I got to him, which I don't really believe in coincidences. I think they happen for a reason. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we made this harpoon from... You know, it's an exact replica, the exact measurements of the whaler, of the Basque harpoons that were used. And then I painted, like, a story of a certain person on it with the story of the Basque whalers. And, yeah, that's (laughs) that's the story of that. I think, Mm. like, I try to always go back to, like, another story in history to say, like, what's happening now is new, and you know it's a revolution, and it's something we need to focus on, but there's a lot of things that are common that have happened already in history, you know
0: yeah, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes yeah exactly. it's uh it's so true and yeah, and I, I love that you're collaborating with people on this, you know that really it, it makes me think of Bitcoin as well, not only the story behind it but Bitcoin to me is just a group of crazies who want a better world, who are collaborating against all odds and whatever comes up against them, we work together and create something incredible. And And I like that you've taken the time to actually find people who can create the parts you want for this piece of art and the low time preference. You're talking about, you know, 10 years for this piece of wood and the thought that's gone into it is very important because you get one chance. And and again, with Bitcoin, it's one chance. We have one chance to do this properly. And if we take that analogy of us going to sea and going against the odds, what's your thoughts now that you've been in the space for some time and you're dedicating so much time to creating this work? What's your feeling of Our space, our culture, where this whole thing's going. What are you thinking about? Is there anything that's concerning you or anything that's particularly exciting you within Bitcoin at the moment?
1: You know, I think Bitcoin. So before I discovered Bitcoin, I was at a point where I was like, you know what, I just want to run away, live in the mountains and hope I die before, you know, the world goes to shit. Like I think it was kind of like, Relatable. Yeah. Like I just felt like the dystopia is coming really fast and there's nothing we can do about it. And I didn't want to know anything about technology really. Like I was like, I don't want to know anything. I just, I just want to run away and hope, you know, it doesn't reach to me. And <laughs> when I found out about bitcoin, you know, obviously it it took, you know, a journey to understand what it really is, but you know, I think like like most of us when we heard um Andreas talk, it was like wow. <laughs> For me it was like, wait, there's hope, you know, there's mm-hmm. you know, the it's not we're not doomed to I don't know, you know, with everything that's happening now with Corona, it's, it's scary. You know, the the scary part for me now is not, not even what governments are doing. It's the fact that people are just taking it, you know, like not even Mm -hmm. taking it. It's like they're agreeing with it. Um, Yeah. And, and so it's scary on one hand, but on the other hand, I feel like, okay, you know, these part, again, you know, if you look back in history, there have been, You know, empires have fallen and then something better was created. And I think, you know, Bitcoin gives that hope for that something better that is being created. Not that we're not in for, you know, bad times. I think we are, but it kind of gives hope that, you know, there's something on the other end of the tunnel. And I think the poetic thing for me about Bitcoin is that, you know, that the Bitcoin doesn't care. Like it doesn't matter how the people that use Bitcoin are. You know that on one hand, you know it's it's peer to peer. It's something that makes the world a better place. And simultaneously, it doesn't matter if the person that using it that's using it is evil or not. It just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of it. You know, the like the poetic thing about it that it can make the world a better place you know and it doesn't need the benevolent dictator or the or or just it doesn't even need a benevolent person you know you can be evil and use bitcoin and it doesn't even matter you know it's like above that kind of yeah
0: it's just a tool yeah. it doesn't need a, a marketing campaign it doesn't need politicians behind it it doesn't need any of that it just is and it works and slowly but surely people are finding it and they're finding it from all different ways you know like you, you just had your ears to the ground and realized oh if someone's going to take the effort to hack and do all of this for bitcoin it must have value so you've come in like that you know other people they'll see a piece of art or, or hear some music or they'll read a magazine or they'll see something which just piques their interest and then a, a very small percentage will go right this is the most interesting thing on the planet i'm going to dedicate all my hours to learn about it and and then they end up on bitcoin twitter um and, yeah. and, and there's just a, just a few people on there but it feels like it's growing and it's lovely to have i think you know what, what 21ism really we're trying to do is create like a snapshot each month uh for each block of What are people saying? Like, What's happening within Bitcoin? What's happening in the world? And documenting it. Documenting what are artists saying? What are developers doing? And how is this changing month by month? And trying to have one place where people can go and go, right, okay, that's what was happening then. Because I kind of feel, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, unless it's documented properly, some of this will be lost. Some of it will be forgotten. And that's such a shame because this... Industry and the people in it are fascinating and passionate. And it's such a different feeling to what I've ever experienced before uh, to have these sort of people who really care, really passionate, really, you know, that they're not scared to try and say, Yeah, I'm going to try and change the world. And they're not scared that people are calling them crazy and they're not scared that they're going up against, you know, the most powerful people on the planet. They're just saying, no, we want change and, and we're going to do it. And and that's really uh, an inspiring thing. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's awesome to be around. I love it.
1: Yeah, completely. I think it's really important. I think also when, when you look back at, you know, at, at changes in, in, you know, revolutions or in history, you kind of look back and you admire the people that were going against the system, you were like, wow, how did they see what nobody else saw? But, you know, I think when, if you, if we were able to talk to those people, they would have said, you know, even when you read their story, it's usually a story of, of, you know, everybody hated them. Everyone thought they were crazy. And, you know, their story came out just in, in retrospect. And, um...
0: The outcasts and the misfits who who make the change, and then everybody else retrospectively they, they go back and say, oh yeah, we always knew, yeah yeah that's <laughs> what's <always> going to happen. <laughs> it, it's always that way. Um, but yeah, that, that's the great thing with art is that you can document these things and. and A picture paints a thousand words and um you know i've I've liked looking through some of the things you're doing but one another thing that particularly interests me was this uh five generations that you've done and looking back through time and there's some beautiful work on there it really is lovely and and i wondered how that came about what sparked you to, to to look back into the past and and document it
1: that was one of the first things I painted when I, you know, when I decided this was what I was going to do. And I think for me, it was just kind of like a personal journey. And so the five generations is, is a series about my great grandmothers. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm from Israel. I come like I'm both of my grand, well, almost all my grandparents were Holocaust survivors and this was kind of like a personal journey. You know, I was, I was going through photos that my grandmother had of um, just of her family. And honestly, it was just a personal thing to go through, you know, what she went through, you know, losing all her family to... It, I also think it's relevant today, you know, it's, it's you know, losing her family to, to a horrible thing that happened... In the past and what she went mm. through and how she, you know, um, started her life over with everything that she went through. And it was kind of like a way to get in touch with with the past, with my past that I never knew. Um, mm. And yeah, I think about that a lot today, you know, because so, so both of my grandmothers and one of my grandfathers, they were... You know, they were all Holocaust survivors. And my other grandfather, his father, saw what was coming and, and moved to South Africa before the Holocaust. And, you know, it, I think about that a lot today. It's like, you know, y- you look at the Holocaust and you think like, oh, that will never happen again. That was just this horrible mm-hmm. thing that happened in the past. And, you know, we know better, right? and and you and and we have to remember that we don't know better you know there was you know the population that was living then they weren't evil they weren't different you know they were manipulated just like we Mm -hmm. can still be manipulated today and you know we are being yeah we are being and you know i see you know i know of my grandmothers that went through this and how this affected their lives you know you know going through the 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 greatest horrors of of the last century and how that affected you know their life and their children's lives and you know even our lives in a way you know this is generational Mm -hmm. it doesn't stop with the person that's actually going through this you know it, it it leaves scars for generations in the end
0: absolutely it leaves scars but it also um it also builds us it toughens us and, and that passes through the generations as well i think it's such an important thing that you've done there looking back at the past and and by creating this artwork you're really learning where i think a lot of people you know i've been guilty of it myself i've, I've lost all my grandparents now and and i got very very close with my grandmother before she passed she was uh, going through a similar, without doxing myself, um, not a a particularly good time. And the stories that she's told me, I'm sure have shaped some of the way I think about the world. Um, Because as you rightly say, people don't see things coming. They are manipulated. They're not evil. You don't just have an entire country or an entire area where every person there is evil, but people can be manipulated and they can be forced. And the manipulation techniques are becoming possibly more sophisticated, harder to notice, and um, some of these things play out over a very long time. But um, I think more people should take the time to look back at history, listen to what their grandparents tell them, and actually it gives you a better way of looking into the future and seeing what could possibly come and and act on it, because uh, otherwise it's suddenly there and and then it's too late. And um, that's one thing that i see a lot is is people taking the time in this space to consider the possibilities to consider what's coming and prepare for it and try and spread that message and and allow others to see it but it's very hard so when you're saying about your was it your grandfather or your great-grandfather fleeing to south africa is there is there any documentation from him or, or anything in the family where anyone listened or was it just he fleed and and no one would no one could see it
1: that's a good question i've never um well my grandfather is not alive anymore i don't know what his it was his great it was his father my grandfather Mm -hmm. was a child then so it was his father that saw it coming i don't i actually don't know if the rest you know what if he told other people or his family or he just kind of did it himself Mm. um but yeah, I think we don't. You know, I I actually saw a video a few days ago of a Holocaust survivor that was talking about, you know, she was she was describing things that were happening then, and it was like she was describing today. You know, it was crazy, it was mm-hmm. scary, and and you know, you see it, and you you still because you don't want to believe. You know, nobody wants to think they're being manipulated, and. And, you know, when you see these things, you're like, yeah, but that's today's difference, right? This won't, you know, it's not happening now. You just don't want to believe it. And I understand, I totally get, you know, that people don't want to see it. Because you just don't, you know, you want to believe the world is a good place. You want to believe people are good. You don't want to believe you're being manipulated. And, and you know, but it's the same techniques are kind of being used today and 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 just like you said i think today the tools that can be used are much greater you know when you think of how social media works and the internet and it's just it's so much easier today than it ever was
0: Mm. it's so sophisticated and it's become so part of our lives people spend so much time in front of a screen and they, they don't realize it you know a lot of it is just repetition brainwashing and it's subtle enough that people don't see it. It's only it's almost all, all only once you see it you can't unsee it but until you see it it's just completely invisible to you and it's so well hidden and the more the masses believe, the more you spend time around people who believe what's being said, the harder it is to wake from it. Because, you know, we are all to some extent sheep. And, you know, we all do follow crowds to some extent, you know, I I find that uh, sometimes I have to catch myself when I'll think a certain way and then be like, "Mm, am I really thinking that? Have I really thought this through? Like, could I be wrong here and I have to go through it step by step? And, and sometimes you're like, no, I'm actually wrong. That's something that I've just jumped to a conclusion with. And it, it's quite like a something you have to practice to stop that manipulation from working and, and stop being scared. And I think it's the fear that is is really particularly helpful for the people who are pushing some of the narratives because when people are scared, they just don't think straight. They just don't... Um, I don't
1: think I yeah no completely. Not and think. and I think in a way we all want you know someone to take care of us in a way so and and you know we've been taught that governments take care of us and and want what's best for us right and mm-hmm. and you don't want to believe that's not true you want to believe that's true and And I think, you know, you see all these things that are happening in the world. And and I totally understand that you want to bury your head in sand and just hope for the best, right? Because, you know, you kind of have this, like, what can I do to change this? And, um, yeah.
0: Is it influencing your work at the moment that some of these ideas that you're thinking about and, and some of the concerns you have... Is there anything that you're currently working on that's been influenced by that? You've sent me through some beautiful work for our website that people will probably be seeing now as they listen to it when it goes live. But I don't know the, the story behind this because I've only got the picture. But the cuckoo, the cloud cuckoo land one. Yeah, I don't know the story behind it, but I'm really drawn to it. It's beautiful. It's just since as as I opened it up, I was like, I love that. But. I've got to be honest, I don't know the story behind it. Could you tell me?
1: Yeah, so that series, I did like a f- four artworks. And this was, I did this right when the lockdown started a year ago. Um, so we kind of escaped, I guess, or I don't know. We found ourselves in the mountains when the lockdown started. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of... A uh, you know I was in nature, and all these things were happening. And and even when it was happening, I thought you know this is this is crazy. Mm. I mean now when you look back, you, you know it's crazy. But also <laughs> then it was like okay is this you know I had I was conflicted about it. Right, I was like okay because you know in in March of of last year, you know you were seeing all these videos from China from Wuhan, and it was like. Well, is this really, really deadly? What's happening? You know, and, and I just felt like it felt like there's no more. You, you don't know where to go. You know, if, I think if before there was like, OK, you can maybe trust what the news are saying. It was all of a sudden like you you, you can't trust anyone. You don't know anything. Nothing is real. You don't know. It was just kind of like this chaos that who knows who's telling the truth who's not what's happening what's going on you know we can't leave our house we have to wear masks like what the hell is happening and then that's when so it was like this series of four this this isn't necessary this isn't specifically about bitcoin it obviously has a lot to do with it but it was more about what was happening the cloud cuckoo so um so cloud cuckoo land is this term that's used um, so it comes, the, the origin of it is from a Greek play that, so it, it's, a, it's a, a Greek play that's called The Birds, that it's like these um, Greek uh, citizens, Athenians, that are sick of the way of taxes and of the way, you know, the, the city is being governed, and they want a different world. And then they go and they meet with the birds, with the, like the, you know, the leaders of the birds. And they say, we want to create this world between earth and the sky and live in a, like a cloud cuckoo land. And... Mm -hmm. You know the birds are like who what you, you're are you crazy <laughs> and like the moral of it is is kind of like when someone wants something that's completely different they want a cuckoo land you know like cuckoo mm-hmm. is considered like crazy right
0: that's what i always thought
1: yeah so cuckoo is like considered crazy and then cloud cuckoo land is like this crazy utopia that can't really happen And Mm. it's it's like a phrase that has been started to use that that was used in in politics. So Margaret Thatcher, when she talked about Nelson Mandela, um, she said, you know, if anyone thinks that black people can rule South Africa, they're living in cloud cuckoo (laughs) lands. Right. They're like crazy, like that's Mm. never going to happen. And so it's kind of like this. it's now used as like a political statement against people that have these crazy utopias in mind. And, and I kind of took that and, and, um, you know, made this like weird, (laughs) you know, people, you know, like a woman talking to a lion and like a cuckoo bird there and kind of like, Are you taking, the idea was like, are you taking what's been served to you on a plate right now, or are you going to create a cloud cuckoo land?
0: that's so interesting see I, I, a lot of these things the way that words are changed and phrases are changed to suit agendas you, you don't even question and I, i've used are oh, you living in cuckoo land i've used it for years and, and i've never even considered where where it came from and i have used it as like you're being an idiot you're, yeah. you're living in a dream world that, that's so i never knew that and that makes me love the painting even more yeah that's really cool it's a nice uh, sort of way to flip it on its head.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the idea of creating this new world is something that really resonates with i think most bitcoiners we're used to being called crazy and we're used to people sort of laughing at us and and, and, and changing what we're trying to do to to sound as if it's bad and, and you know making bitcoin sound as if it's bad and making us seem like we're trying to do what's not best for the world but It's kind of, it's like an annoying place to live, but it's also quite fun. Do you find that you battle with people in your day-to-day life? Do you find that you're finding it difficult to interact with normal people? Or are you in a space now where either you've given up with it and you just spend time with people who understand the way you're thinking? Or are you lucky enough to be around people who are thinking in a similar way? (laughs)
1: Um, I think, think, yeah, I think it's a (laughs) mixture. I think, you know, in a way, you know, the, the fact that there's, you know, Twitter and Telegram, you, you can connect with people that think the same way. I'm not, you know, I think in my, in my, um, real life, if people are not into this, I don't hold it against them. You know, I get, I get that some people, you know, see life the way they see it and I you know I think people have different virtues and if, if they don't if they're not into this they have other things that I love about them and mm. and you know people think different ways you know that I don't need people to think exactly the way I think and um you know, in the beginning, I, I, I tried to tell people about Bitcoin and and, and I, I still do. But at one point, it's, you know, sometimes it's like that. Oh, you know what? Because <laughs> in, in the end, it's like whenever there's bad news about Bitcoin, you get all these messages about C, And it's like, oh, it's just fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, uh, <laughs> and then it's like, OK, fine. just
0: Bitcoin's dead.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah, exactly. The Bitcoin's dead. Bitcoin's ruining the planet. And, and it's like, and then when there's good news, it's like, I, I actually wrote this to someone. I was like, hey, why don't I get the good news? Why are you only sending me when there's bad news? <laughs> um,
0: it is interesting. I think it, a lot of it is because people who haven't invested or aren't taking part in it, they kind of almost they want to see the bad parts because they want to feel like oh well I haven't spent the time for a reason it's not because I'm lazy or stupid it's because I'm smart yeah and that's why and so now I want to share the bad things and as soon as they are invested or they are spending time learning then they'll share the good things and so it's that confirmation bias that sort of kicks in but it is annoying I, I agree with you and I'm similar though I just sort of can't be bothered you know like you say people have other things that you can speak to them about and you just ignore maybe some of the political views or the um views on money and and all the rest of it and you find the things that you can enjoy speaking about and it's it is pointless It's, it's pointless and it just it causes a lot of conflict that's unnecessary and it just takes energy away and that energy is much better spent creating than arguing i think
1: yeah exactly and um yeah, and I also think it's interesting to to connect with people that don't think the way you do, you know that kind of look at life in a different way and and in the end, it makes you question. I think we always have to question everything, especially the things we really, really believe in. So you know, in a way, even if someone doesn't think the way you know the way I do, i I think there's a lot to learn from everyone, so.
0: It's true. I don't know if you've had a similar thought, but I think sometimes, what if we're all right? And what if we do go to this hyper-Bitcoinized world? And you know, I, I think we will do eventually. But do you ever have the thought of, how is the world gonna look? Like, it's not all gonna be sunshine, rainbows, like whatever happens going forward, I think there's gonna be this conflict, there's gonna be massive change in the next decade do you ever think about that? Like, do, do you have a thought of how this all plays out? Or are you more of the thought that, well, we can't guess how it plays out. I'm just going to keep myself to myself, uh, create a nice life, look after my family and, and deal with what comes?
1: Yeah, no, of course I think about it. I, I actually read a book not long ago that was called um, The Collapse of Complex Societies. So it's, um, it's this, anthropologist that that did a study about why complex societies you know like the roman empire the mayan empire and what you know what why societies collapse in the end and what happens after that and i think one of the things that struck me the most was he said you know the the middle ages they're considered like this dark age um, that everything was really bad, you know, after, you know, before the Renaissance. But it doesn't necessarily mean they were a dark age. It was just there was not a complex society that documented its, you know, its history or its art or its literature or whatever. It was just, you know, little villages that kind of communicated between them and, you know, didn't have the ways to maybe, you know, create all the things that we can now see in archaeological studies of of empires. But it doesn't Mm. mean it's a dark age. It doesn't mean it's a bad place. It just means it was different. And Mm. I thought that was really interesting, because I kind of feel like maybe that's where we're headed, you know, that we've gotten into a society that's too complex, especially if you look at, you know, like the European Union or just there's so much bureaucracy, there's so much, you know, complexity that it's just not sustaining itself anymore and people want out. And, you know, and maybe this, what's going to happen is, you know, smaller societies, you know, smaller um, models of, of living, but it doesn't necessarily, hopefully, you know, <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean a bad place. I don't know. I think we kind of have to think of all possibilities that will happen. I think that's what, in a way, that's what Bitcoin opened my eyes. Like I said, if before I wanted to just bury my head in the, you know, in the sand and just hope for the best. Now it's like, okay, well, there's all kinds of things that can happen. None of us really know. So we can just, you know, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And Yeah. um, yeah. and, and, yeah, just hope for the best. I mean, I hope this, this hyper-Bitcoinization bit, doesn't happen from one day to another. I really hope it will take time because, you know, I remember someone once saying, you know, you don't want to be the person that has everything when nobody else has anything. Mm-hmm. And and I really believe that, you know, I don't want society to collapse. That would be horrible. You know, Mm. even if it means, you know, Bitcoin is white or whatever, like I hope the transition happens slowly and surely and securely so everyone, you know, so it's not traumatic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. If you have all the money in the world and all the possessions in the world and you look out the window and all there is is shit it's not going to be very nice yeah. and, and like you say people will be envious and they'll hate you for it and believe that it's your fault rightly or wrongly and yeah I completely agree with you this thing needs to happen slowly and you know as much as I get excited uh, to some extent with all the institutions coming in and these big buyers coming in I kind of at the same time wish they would go away and this wish there was, this would stay more uh, grassroots and with the people because I don't know. I think there's such a small amount of people who have their hands on this and and who are sort of able to understand what's going to happen that if it did suddenly happen that all these huge businesses are putting it on their balance sheet and we do suddenly, you know, go up to a million a coin or something like that, uh, quickly is going to price a lot of people out. And in the long run, it's going to be better because in the long run, nobody has the power to just create something out of nothing and steal people's time. Um, And that's incredible. You know, that is something that is going to change the world going forward. But that little bit of time in between, it would be nice to have more of a smooth transition. And I think the, uh, the creativity would be better. Like we want as many people to be joining this movement as possible. We want people to be excited about it, to be building, to be collaborating. And, and, and like a new renaissance, you know, this is, this is something where we can do something special. And uh, I, I, I really hope it does pan out that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I think it, it slowly but surely is, is the way to go.
0: Mm. Yeah. fingers crossed well look uh, yeah, I don't want to take your whole day I, I, I wasted your time by not telling you uh, no. to get your laptop so apologies again for that and yeah I just wanted to say look, firstly I've really enjoyed the conversation It's we've gone all over the place and talked about lots of different subjects it's been fascinating I wasn't aware of what you've done in the past and why you had come to Bitcoin and, and why it resonates with you so that was really interesting to hear and like I said to you off air, I really seriously love your artwork. I'm blown away by it. It's very, very different. And 21ism is very proud to be showing this. It's it's incredible. And anyone who is listening to this who hasn't already checked out your work, where can they go to see what you're doing? You can just point them towards the website and Twitter and anywhere else. You might want them to have a look.
1: Um. Yeah, my website is yonatvax.com, dot com, so y o n a t v a k s. dot com. Um, my Twitter is the same, yonatvax. Yeah, and um, I I actually have a new artwork that I'm working on now with uh, with the Great Chief Monkey. <laughs>
0: oh, awesome! Yeah. So, anything you can tell us about it or is it yeah, still we, people we, Hush we Hush. revealed
1: the first part of it so we did um we did a piece about we called it the bitcoin bhava kakra so the
0: oh yes 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 i've seen this.
1: you've seen it yeah it's um so we kind of took the the wheel of uh, samsara from the buddhist uh from from buddhism so buddhism says there's um there's, you know, we're all trapped in the samsara, like the suffering in life. And, and the way to escape that is to understand that, you know, nothing is really real. And we have to, um, you know, look at our fears in the eyes and kind of ascend from them. So we, we kind of took all those teachings and related them to Bitcoin. So it's kind of like the wheel of fiat samsara. Um, and we did, um, there's this painting of, of the, the Yama, who's, who's like the, the monster that represents this, this fear and impermanence. And he holds the samsara, like the wheel that, that shows, you know, all the things that keep us inside, you know, the suffering of, of human life. And yeah, so he did a beautiful, work, you know, with laser, laser cutting and and painting of of the monster. And I'm painting the part inside of all the, the different realms, you know, the different cycles you go through until you understand um, Bitcoin and the things that kind of leave us inside the fiat circle, you know, like consumerism and debt and um, surveillance and social media. And, and yeah, We'll be revealing it a bit by bit.
0: This is, I'm looking at it now. I've seen parts of it, but it's, yeah, it's very, very cool. And this is going to be auctioned, am I right?
1: Yeah, it's going to be auctioned on Scarcity on the 9th of April.
0: I look forward to seeing that. I will be saving my pennies. <laughs> <laughs> saving my sass. <laughs> All right. Well, as I said, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and, and learning about uh, everything that you're doing. Uh, really excited to be showcasing your work, and uh, hopefully at some point when all this Corona stuff sorts itself out and people uh, start thinking clearly, it would be <laughs> great to catch up in in real in person somewhere. That'd yeah, I'd
1: love that. Thank cool. you for cool. having me.
0: Any final thoughts to leave people
1: with? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Learn about Bitcoin. Um... <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think an important thing that that made me understand it way better than, than any, you know, there's something about earning Bitcoin that makes you understand it in a different way. So, you know, my advice to a lot of people instead of, you know, also, you know, stacking stats and buying. But if you can find a way to earn Bitcoin, you get it on a whole different level, I think. Um, completely
0: agree. Very, very wise words to finish on. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Okay. All
0: right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank
1: you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.